Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra coming up on today's show. Is Dean Pease coaching in this last game? And if, 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 okay, I don't really mean if, when Georgia wins on Monday night in the national championship game, we have keys to the game on how they could do it. And that'll be with the incomparable coach, Mark Rick. And last but not least, and for the culture, a legendary series comes to an end. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I just want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first. Listen of the day, and remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's show of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by Bet Online, and also, guys, remember we are on Amazon Fire and Roku. If you want to check us out on the big screen, but T, whoo, this is a big one because I think you know one of the things that we've talked about as far as how T- Dean Pease wants to be the guy to get the Falcons organization back to some respectability from a defensive standpoint. And we know we saw a few glimpses of that, and we've seen a few glimpses of that as of late, holding teams under 20 points. Now, granted, you know, the offenses that they've been facing haven't been all that great. However, the Falcons will take it how they can get it (laughs) when you're talking about improvement and everything like that. And I don't think it's no secret that since A.J. Terrell has come back, things have kind of calmed down a little bit in the passing um, defensively from the in the passing game, so I think when we heard that yesterday that Dean Pease was uh, according to the AJC that he was considering retiring, and he said that the decision is going to be made between he and his wife. So obviously, Arthur Smith is not going to be involved. So mm-hmm. this is going to be something that you know Dean Pease and the wife are saying. You know what? And if the wife is involved, T, the one thing that I've learned from being a married man for ten years. Let's if the wife yes. isn't involved, more than likely, it's going to skew towards what makes sense for the wife. And I think that DMPs might be one foot out the door. And as a married man of 10 years, I thought what you were going to say is happy life because of happy wife. Yes, so. indeed. That too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. You can at least tell my wife that. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, I sure I would tell sis that it that that was your verbiage. It was just, you know, you were trying to put it in a very subtle way. But yeah, yes. I, I listen, so much respect for Dean Pease coming out of retirement already because of the relationship with Arthur Smith that he had established back in their days in Tennessee. So being willing to even come here and kind of, I'll say, tutor and get these guys right and get the philosophy and the mindsets correct, you cannot, you, you just cannot overestimate the value that he has brought to the table. So I feel like for Grady Jarrett, although you may not see it in the stat line, I'm sure Grady would still tell you he made him a better player. Indeed. He took someone like Richie Grant, who was a head scratcher at the beginning of his rookie season, yes. and all of a sudden, on the back half of that season, he got him together, and we've still seen some really positive things from Richie Grant. So the reason I bring up Grady is because there you have a veteran who is able to get right, and there you have a now second-year player who is on a good trajectory, and all of the ones you and I talk about all the time, like a Michael Walker, if you will, as well. And, Jarvis, I would venture to say I'll throw with Sean Evans in the mix. Because they brought him in thinking that he still had something left to give. And I believe he absolutely did. My biggest concern with this 
is this. You cannot be mad at Dean Pease if he decides to go into retirement again because he gave you two solid years to get Arthur Smith's regime off the ground. The group I worry about the most is probably the rookie classes coming because I feel like that class is going to miss out on, oh my God. And I know at some point, Jarvis, he's got to, I mean, he's got to retire at some point. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. A, this is such a vital, such a viable and important rookie class for the Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot regime. They've got to get this class right as it relates to defensive players. And I sure do wish if they did pick all seven yet, that's, that's my PSA for the day. If they took all of their picks or at least six out of their seven picks and went with defense, Jarvis, how amazing would it be if Dean Pease can return and just tutor one more class and help them be right for Arthur Smith for this future building team. Yeah, because that's that's the thing that you that you are get concerned about. Because when you're talking about dif different defensive schemes, or, mm -hmm. or is it going to be an in-house hire? That's why I believe that Pease is not going to let this thing linger. He's going to make a decision as soon as that clock strikes zero. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, "Hey, man, tomorrow," I'm out. or <laughs> or hey, or I got one more year and that's it. Like, oh, that is, you yeah, know what I mean? So that's, I, that's a great call. So I think that, you know, so because you need to know what type of scheme you're going to run mm -hmm. going into this year, because uh, we talked about it yesterday with, you know, following the the the, the, the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch combination or the John mm -hmm. Snyder, Pete Carrero type yep. situation. Right. They had a system and that's what mm -hmm. the system they stuck with. And that's mm -hmm. why guys are able to develop because yes. they don't have changing systems in it, because yeah. if you. Even have a guy coming in talking about, oh, I want to want to run a four three. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you, uh -huh. you drafted certain guys to to come in to play in a certain style of defense. What does that do for your 2022 draft class? What does that do mm -hmm. for Taquan Graham? Maybe yeah. he's not as good as a yeah. as a three tech, or mm -hmm. but he's a good as a as a, a, a I five. I mean, it's lined up in a five. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Being a, a two gapper from time to time. So mm -hmm. all of those things come into place when it comes to who they going what this the decision that Pease has to make and I think yeah. that I already feel I feel like he's going to going to um be out of here but mm -hmm. I, I think that if it's a matter of hey you know if you want to come back we can right. if you got some guys that you really like you know mm -hmm. we'll uh we'll take that into consideration yeah. <laughs> like to the point where like if you if we give you if we give you this dude like we, let's go ahead and see if we can get be a top ten defense in twenty twenty three so I I think that those are the type of conversations that I feel like the Falcons are gonna start having because yeah. at, at the end of the day you figured out a way to get Grady Jarrett right and I mm -hmm. I gotta give him kudos for this too yeah Isaiah Oliver this dude He's was another one. He out one. Yeah. out he was out he was a second yeah, round pick yeah. nobody had no expectations for mm -hmm. him whatsoever kind of reminds me of the whole ricardo allen type situation mm -hmm. when dan quinn came in so yeah. working with those guys finding a way to use this guy make this guy a valuable piece and i think that he's done uh Pease has done that with yeah. isaiah oliver so that's those are the type of things that you'll be missing out on if he walks out of that door now, granted, I know Arthur Smith is going to do his due diligence and yeah. hire somebody if he decides to retire. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's I I think people got to understand like mm -hmm. what this dude was able to accomplish. Not necessarily from a sack standpoint. I know people like to look at that number; it's real sexy. I understand how sexy it is. Hashtag pass rush matters. But mm -hmm. I think you got to look at the development piece too yeah. because that's what's been missing mm -hmm. from the previous regime. When you draft people, do you come in? Do they develop? Do they get mm -hmm. better? 
And I think we've seen that from from certain guys Indeed. since this uh since Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith has come into play. Indeed. And speaking of that, we talk about the players who have benefited from being under a developmental leader like Dean Pease. And I think about also like uh the, the linebackers coach um or or even the d-line coach right they've right. now been under him under dean peace for a couple seasons as well so maybe if to your point i do feel like he's leaning towards retirement as well but he may have some individuals already in on his coaching staff on his coaching tree if you will who have learned under his tutelage and would be able to replicate what he's done on some level and, you know, maybe add some tweaks to it and kind of put their stamp on it. But that could be an option too, because you do have two of those key player, uh, two, two of those key, key coaches where you have impact players that are so necessary that could also be able to bridge the gap. Absolutely. And, and last but not least, before we, before we move on to uh, coach Rick, who is, can't wait to get uh, to talk to him because it's, it's, it's a special human being. But tonight, the Hawks, they take on the Lakers. Are we going to see some consistency in back-to-back -back games? Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. I mean, because ain't nobody got time for that foolishness we saw at State Farm Arena last week. And when, when I say that, just meaning like it was so disjointed. Like mm -hmm. you, just, you just could not get the 48 minutes. To, that was, you know, a, a, an key example, right? And right. that you have one job and that one job is to stop one guy because, you know, Jarvis, when you look down the stat line of what happened last week with the Lakers, everybody else had respectable numbers, but nobody had blow you out of the water numbers except LeBron. So that's the one thing I want them to do. Just like they figured out, hey, put a body on De'Aaron Fox at the right times. And that happened multiple times with different players. Put a body on LeBron James. I don't care which body you put on him, but put a body on him early. Make him earn everything. And then if the players, if the others beat you, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Just don't do that again. That, to me, Jarvis, may actually be another example of the consistency that I'd like to see. Absolutely. Are you trying to consistently win some men, some money? How about this? Go to betonline.net because it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. T, I was looking at the Georgia TCU line because trying to figure out whether or not this bad boy is going to move a little bit. Yeah. It has moved some. The Georgia is now favored by a touchdown. We know it started off at, what, 13 and a half? And a half. <laughs> right, so that's a big jump. So obviously people are, are trying to uh, start to believe in uh, Max teach me how to dug it. Yeah, got to give Sandra her credit on that. That's, yes. that's really cool. It may be corny, but hey, I All like right. it anyway. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's something that to keep an eye on because, you know, we know you're trying to get some money because this is the national championship. So we know all eyes will be out there in L.A. at SoFi Stadium mm -hmm. when the Georgia Bulldogs take on the TCU Horn Frogs. So what I want you to do right here, Bet Online continues to be the top online, online resource for all your sports wager information for live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They got podcasts right there waiting for you. You guys come to us each and every day for all your ATL sports needs, for all your sports wagering information. Bet online is where you need to go. So I want you to head there today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because Bet Online is where the game starts. We have a super special guest here on ATL Day One today, the legendary Georgia and Miami coach and her, the most recent Peach Bowl Hall of Fame inductee coach, Mark Riggs. Welcome to the show. 
Hey, I'm glad to be here. And uh, it was a lot of fun to go to the Peach Bowl since it turned out to be a uh, playoff game for Coach for uh, Coach Smart and the, and the Bulldogs. It was nice to be able to be in front of the Georgia people. And ring in the new year that way, right, Coach? That was an amazing way to ring in the new year. That was an amazing game. It was really exciting, I obviously. And uh, I heard the crowd was the biggest crowd ever in the Dome. Yes. And I heard it probably was the highest rated TV show ever in that in the Peach Bowl game. So it was pretty cool. Yes, it, it really was. And, Coach, I'm going to take you back a little bit. And this kind of warms my heart because – I, I so loved the late, great Bobby Bowden and was a huge fan of Florida State. So in reading uh, just some of the excerpts from your book, Make the Call, one of the things that he said was that while you were there, uh, he had the privilege of leading you to Christ in 1986 and how he and so many other people admire the fact that you are the same. You walk the walk, you talk the talk. I work with Drew Butler and he had the same thing to say about you as well, that you are the same no matter what. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is this, how are you able to be so consistent and how do you feel that's helped you to make an impact on so many people, including your right. Well, I'm not as consistent as everybody might think. Uh, I'm human, obviously. <laughs> right. I've got my issues uh, for sure. Uh, the beautiful thing is we're forgiven for all of our stupidity and uh, yes. <laughs> we can't be comfortable, can't be comfortable in it. But uh I think, you know, the decision I made to follow Christ in 1986 uh, just set me on a trajectory of uh, obedience, or at least the desire to be obedient to God. So my goal really from that point forward wasn't so much that I wanted to be a coordinator or a head coach or even a football coach. You know, my goal was to try to live a life that God would be pleased with. And, and I basically just said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I'll do it the best I can. And so that was kind of how I would base all the decisions I made throughout my life is, you know, would, would God be pleased with this or not? And uh, it was, you know, the goal was to, you know, you know, obey the best I could. And uh, certainly uh, a simple goal, but not necessarily an easy goal all the time. True indeed. Coach, one of the things that I've always admired about in that, right, is people, when, when you say following God's word, right, or following what what you feel that he's telling you and where you should go. And I think that, I think I think it came to light a lot when um, people were talking about with Deion Sanders and, and how his decision in, to lead Jackson State. And they a lot of people came into question about that. So my question to you is, did you ever – find yourself in a point where people said that, hey, you probably should stay at Florida State or or, or, or stay right. at Florida State before you made the decision to go to Georgia? Oh, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is when you are in a position of authority or if you're uh, a leader of any kind and you make decisions, not everybody's going to be happy with it. And, uh, right. you know, it just goes back to my faith. If If my goal is to please the media or please the administration or please the player or the parent or whoever it is, you know, the bottom line is no matter what decision you make, somebody's going to be mad. <laughs> and right. Probably exactly. somebody's going to be happy, but the bottom line is if you're, if your goal is to, you know, please God, what you do. I mean, obviously 
you have prayer. You have the ability to get in God's word. If something's contrary to God's word, it's easy to know that's not what he wants for you. You know, but uh, the bottom line is if you're pursuing integrity and you're, and you're pursuing the, uh, the ability to hear God uh, through prayer and going to church and getting in his word, usually the, the spirit will tell you. Once you become a believer, the Holy Spirit enters into you and uh, he'll, he'll guide you along the way. Indeed. And you speak about that guidance. You've given a lot of guidance to so many. And it's very interesting looking at the mark that you've made in Athens from day one, even to today. And I say that because Kirby Smart's there and you hired him as a running back coach in 2005 and so many others. He's Mike Bobo, who's with you. He's now back at Georgia. And so I kind of look at that as the Mark Rich tree, right? And so how much is that a testament or a lasting legacy to you in terms of what you were able to establish in Athens? Well, you know, you mentioned those two guys, uh, Stacy Searles, Mike Bobo, Brian McClendon, mm -hmm. uh, Todd Hartley. You know, a lot of those guys are, are there that were with me either at Georgia uh, or Miami or both mm -hmm. um, or guys that I might have, might have recruited and coached. But, um, you know, the bottom line is uh, those guys uh, got opportunities. I mean, I didn't hire them out of high school, you know, coaching. I mean, they all – had very solid resumes and Todd Hartley, for example, came up through the ranks of Georgia as a graduate assistant coach and all, but all these men were very competent, very established uh, as coaches in their specific area. And, and Kirby believed that those guys were the right guys for the job. And I'm just thankful that they're, they've got the opportunity to, you know, be on hopefully back-to-back -back national championship teams. And speaking of the back-to-back -back national championship coach, like just the way the game ended, did did it kind of bring up any memories of, of the wide left? You know, so we have some Florida State kickers for famous for that, but you on the other side of that one time when, uh, when you were the offensive coordinator for Florida State, right? Right. Uh, the 1993 national championship, I think it was the 94 Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we were behind late. Uh, had a late scoring drive to take the lead uh, by a point or two. This is uh, Florida State versus Nebraska. Mm -hmm. yep. and uh, But we left a couple of ticks on the clock. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Tommy Frazier, if I'm not mistaken, the quarterback yes. for Nebraska, mm -hmm. threw, threw the ball down the middle. They caught it. And then it looked like the game was over and everybody celebrating, going crazy. And then the refs put one second back on the clock. Let them line up for a, a very makeable kick, a long kick, but makeable, uh, similar to the one uh, with the, with Georgia Ohio State. And by the grace of God, uh, the, the kid in Nebraska missed about as badly as the kid at Ohio State did. So <laughs> right. it wasn't wasn't a lot of drama once it got off, once it was hit off his foot. But uh, truly, if that kid makes the kick, we don't win the national championship in '93. Exactly. You know, and if that kid from Ohio State makes that kick, obviously Georgia's out of an opportunity. So uh, you just never know. I mean, football's such an awesome game. You got all kind of skill sets and body types and all these wonderful athletes. And then you got about a 
150 pound kicker decides who wins and who loses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you hate that coach because it feels like he has one job and he didn't get it right. done, but we all know that it plays well, leading. You up feel bad. It. You feel bad for that kid. I mean, you don't right. want yes, exactly. You want Georgia to win, but you know the weight of the world was on that guy. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing is interesting, Coach, because covering the Celebration Bowl, Deion Sanders tied in, had just the ball in his hand and could have just ended that game. And Jackson State would have gone on to an undefeated season. And Deion Sanders right. had to go into that locker room and really encourage that young man and say, right. hey, you know, it wasn't just you. There were other players and you're going to be fine and, and let's go forward. And I know that's a part of what Tough. you have to do. So, Coach, when you think about even Georgia, I know for me, and I wasn't even a player, I'm just watching it on TV. It was mentally, spiritually, emotionally draining. <laughs> Keeping right. up to that last minute to see if Georgia was going to get it done. How do you, Coach, reset your team and say, okay, got to put this behind us and we got to get ready for that next game, much like Coach Martin has had to get those guys together and say, we got a national championship to go win. Well, I think what helps you the most, part of it is the experience of doing it a year ago, obviously. Mm -hmm. but the other thing is, I know as a coaching staff, we, we start looking at tape of the next team before the players do, maybe by a day or half a day, whatever it is. But the bottom line is once you turn the tape on and you see what you're about to face, it, it uh, gets you back in the, in the right frame of mind pretty quick because everybody understands players, coaches alike, that uh, the next team's going to be very, very talented, very opportunistic and, and good enough to beat you if you're not playing your best. So uh, a lot of times the just watching the tape of the opponent and understanding what's at stake and understanding what type of a challenge it's going to bring gets everybody back on on base pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's the good thing about, you know, resetting like that because like I said, you got the coaches got to get everybody right first and know what what the game plan is going to be and then the players coming right behind it. I think that's a really good thing. Coach, last one for me. I, I think with Kirby Smart, I'm just fascinated by what he's what he has to put up with now. Not put up with. That's a harsh word. Harsh word. Uh, what he has to deal with as a head coach in today's college football world. We talking. We just got. Um, we're talking about you know NILs and NIL deals and all those things right. that kind of that's a part of recruiting nowadays. Like, what what are some of your thoughts on 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 those on those deals and with the and also on the other side with the players. They have to make these decisions, too, right. with what company they want to part with and stuff like that. So how do you feel about players and coaches having to deal with all of this right. NIL stuff? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the new normal. It's, it's, it's here to stay. It's not going away, I don't think, anytime soon. And once you allow someone to earn income, you can't really restrict it. So, you know, some people are like, well, let's let's put a limit on it and all that kind of thing. But our country wasn't built that way. I mean, it's right. Things against the law to restrict earnings for somebody. So, you know, it's going to be an open, whatever the market's going to bear is what these kids are going to get. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the same thing happens in the NFL. I mean, you have a quarterback making more money than an offensive lineman and things of that nature. And I, I think the kids will get used to it quicker than the coaches will. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's different, obviously, is the transfer rule, how quickly a guy can transfer if things don't go his way. So, yeah. The hardest thing I would think now is to truly build a team and, and have that team attitude because everybody's kind of worried about their own personal brand. And, and when it comes to NIL and things like that, or if I'm not starting today, I'm, I'm transferring, going somewhere else tomorrow. 
-hmm. or if you try to discipline me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand for that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to move on because I'm not, I don't want to listen to what you got to say. So I think that would be the toughest part of coaching is to try to, you know, put a true team together and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, be able to discipline guys and help them grow and mature through the mistakes they make along the way. And I think some of those guys coach are learning that lesson the hard way because right. the percentages of those individuals who are going into the portal who don't get picked up or ultimately decide to return to their schools, that's kind of a lesson in and of itself, Coach. So you're absolutely right. And listen, we could not wrap this up without asking you, when you look at Georgia, when you look at TCU, what coach would you say is that one key to the game for Georgia to win this championship, get that back-to-back, but also what do you see as the key to the game for TCU? Too? We're going to put upset in coach, coach, because we know they're 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 there because they earned it too. But right, does Dodge well, have to be the Frogs after this? Right. Well, you know, teams that are used to winning are very hard to beat. I mean, even you know during the regular season, if you you might even play a group of five team. But if they're an undefeated, undefeated group of five team, they're tougher to beat than a power five team that's, you know, 600 winning percentage or whatever it is. So yeah. teams that are used to winning are winning for a reason. They they have, they create good habits all along the way. They're solid in special teams. They're good with turnovers. You know, they're good at taking the ball away and all that kind of thing. So, you know, TCU didn't get there by accident. And how many times have they been in some tight ball games and come back and won it? You know, quite a few times, everybody mm-hmm. was leaving them for dead a bunch. So, you know, if Georgia plays their best, will they win the game? I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, but uh, if Georgia struggles and turns it over a couple times and uh, gets himself in a situation where the game's a lot tighter than they, than they hope for, you know, it could get interesting. But I think TCU really needs to have a good start, a good fast start to, to give them the confidence to play with these guys. Uh, I think if they start slow, it, it could be a beatdown before it's over. But if they start hot in the beginning, uh, they can make it interesting. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt as well, Coach. I feel like with TCU, you don't want to say play a perfect game, but they're going to have to play near perfect and get out of those gates fast and furious. And they keep that same energy the entire game because, man, Georgia's got some guns. They got some weapons. We know people are all excited to see this game next week, but couldn't be more excited to have you here, Coach Rick, Coach Mark Rick. Appreciate your time. And uh, definitely, I know it's still for you. Go dogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a big dog fan for sure. So uh, thanks for having me on the show. Y'all do a great job. Thank you, Thank Coach. Thanks, so, Coach. So we were talking about some new and exciting things that are going on over there on Bet Online. We told you guys earlier how that line is changing with Georgia TCU. Well, one of our other partners, Built Bars, has some new things that you guys want to hear about as well. So they are a company that we've told you guys about for months and months now. But we want to tell you that if you're looking for a new delicious treat with Built Bar, then they have that for you. What is that treat? It is churro peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. So that kind of goes with what Jarvis and I have been doing on the show, which is talking to you guys about how to be healthier and eat healthier. That's one of our New Year's goals, if you will. So you can do that too. And you can do it with a bar that tastes really good. So for starters, you're talking about 100% real chocolate. And the Built Bars, they taste just like candy bars. So that's a great thing because 
when it's healthy, you always think, eh, it's not going to taste so good. Not in this case. And only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and now 17 grams of protein. So that's even more than those built bars were before. Here's the other thing I think you guys are going to like. You don't actually have to wait for a box. We told you before that you'd have to go to the website and that kind of meant waiting for the box. Not anymore. Now you could actually go to your local Walmart, your local Sam's Club and pick that up. So wherever that is, you'll go like right to the pharmacy section, which is usually at the front of Walmart, grab yourself a box of Built Bars and boom, you can pick up a four bar box of even cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club and you love a Sam's Club like I do, you can run in there and you can get even more. 13 bar box with brownie batter and churro don't worry you can thank me later absolutely locked on sports atlanta family we are at 5200 subscribers guess where we need to be Six thousand. yes yeah. we have a ways to go but we can do it because we know you can do it if you have not subscribed or hit that like button or turn that, that bell notification on what <laughs> are you waiting on we need you to do it right now because we're trying to get to six thousand subscribers today i know yeah i know that's i know that's lofty goals but you said lofty goals in life you fall set what is it set the moon reach for the moon fall in the sky let's go we'll uh, i know that's not right yeah we'll just roll with that but see this is for the culture it is the intersection between sports entertainment and the culture sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because today because that you know today is no different because we talked about a legendary series coming to an end best man final chapters dropped and when i tell you t uh this doggone series started all type of conversations to the point where you know the wife and i we just broke this bad boy down relationship by relationship yes, yes. you know and, and i think that but i do want to get your thoughts for your initial thoughts on the first few episodes uh checking checking out the series and it's so funny because my best friend that's what we've been kind of doing so we started it off like who do you most identify with and the funny thing is episode to episode, it changed because it was based on the experiences that we saw and the evolution of that character, either within that episode or from the best man and the best man holiday, right? right. So it was really cool because I was anticipating and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know how it's going to be because normally sequels, they don't live up to the hype of the original. But most right. people say the best man with the best man, if not better. And I will tell you, the final chapter so far, I'm just through half of it, guys, a little under half of it, did not disappoint. So just seeing all of the fun with Quentin, the one who you never thought was going to get married, put himself in position to get married. But then when you saw, now I was surprised because I didn't know Nicole Ari Parker was going to be playing his fiance. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, she was a little awkward. And, yeah, but yeah, I think that it was, was on yeah. purpose because yeah. like, they, I think it, it was almost like they wanted to juxtapose like, they wanted you to see the discomfort right, that yeah. he was having yeah. with her, even though he looked like he was at peace and he looked like he was a very, you know, subtle and laid back Quentin. Nah, not when you bring Shelby in the picture, then you see the real him come out. So my girl <laughs> Shelby, I was like, she's stealing the entire series so far for me. Yeah. Like the whole and, damn thing. And, there, and, and that dynamic is, yeah. I think, once, because I've seen the entire series, I yeah. think that dynamic right there, between Shelby and Quentin is something that I feel like people should pay a lot of attention to. Yes. Because when you talk about authenticity yes. and realness in relationships, yes. understanding yourself, mm -hmm. both people understanding who they are yes. and allowing them to kind of flourish in that and mm -hmm. grow in that, yes. man, 
it's it's some really good stuff, it's and powerful. I think that it's, it's a very powerful stuff, and I think yeah. that people should definitely go check that bad boy out because right. I don't understand, like you know, human dog. I now I kind of yes. little birdie told me on the street that you know mm -hmm. he wasn't rocking with the rocking with it the series now, but mm -hmm. but why? Like what? What's one little reason why he feel like the series just wasn't all that great? Right. Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head of one of the pieces. Now, the other one was hateration. Quit hating on Morris Chestnut. The fact that dude is still fine as hell is not his problem. Okay. That's a you problem, you Douglas. The <laughs> random nakedness, like, right. I don't understand. It just seemed like it was oh, random, though, T. Like, but you know what I'm saying? Wife, I bet your wife understood because I did. <laughs> she better not understood. Shoot. Yeah, what you mean? Yeah, she, she I'm right here. He understood the assignment. Okay. <laughs> I get naked anytime I want to, you know? Okay. Yeah. I know. Okay. See, I gave y'all a. a yeah. Yeah, sorry, so, sorry. Like I was saying, let's least, move on. At least you're not hating on Marsh Chestnut. Yeah, I ain't gonna hate on the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. What else does she want? Cause she's got. I get yeah, we got it. all the man you need right here. Right yeah. There you go. But for me, <laughs> what I love is what you said about Quentin and Shelby because they, for me, represent the perfect imperfection that mm -hmm. most of us individually and collectively in our relationships are. Most yeah. of us, I'll never forget this, and, and I know we got to go, guys, but guess what? We got more episodes to talk about next week anyway, so we'll bring Indeed. you guys back up to speed on what we think about the remaining episodes. But to co-sign on what you said, I learned um, some years ago, somebody told me this concept of the mask and how we all give this presentation of ourselves. And most of us can keep yes. up the presentation for a long, long no time, time if it benefits us and gets us what we want, right? Yeah. So in the case of Shelby and Quentin, they both just sat there being representatives. He was, you know, kind of the Svengali type who was just like, you know, I'm gonna do me and, you know, I, I'll get it when I get, get with her and whatever, whatever. Yeah. But he wanted to tell her he loved her, but he also thought that she was okay with the situationship. Situation, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then on her, the flip side, she was thinking he wanted the situationship. So she obliged him in being very casual for 15 years on and off, when in reality, all somebody had to do was be vulnerable. You and I have talked about that offline a lot, a lot. Oh, yeah. One person, I don't want to have been vulnerable even 15 years before that, then we, it wouldn't even have been played out like this, but you said it. In reality, most of us live in that space. Most yeah. of us live in a space of trying to defend ourselves and trying to make sure that we, um, we protect our hearts right, right. Yeah. and so they both did that almost to the point where he goes off and marries somebody that he had no business marrying and of course she had already gotten married to somebody she should have been married to and pawned the dude off as the father of her child and so yes. the funny thing is from the day that quentin met kennedy her daughter it was instant chemistry instant mm -hmm. chemistry yep. and so now to see his reaction this is the guy who of all the best men men all the characters was the one who was out there doing him like a single man does mm -hmm. and look how much raw emotion he showed to be with the love of his life and to have the child he always wanted. Those are the things that if we're real about it in some way, shape or form, we have all been there, done that and done some dumb stuff. And mm -hmm. I think that's why everybody was rooting for them because we all know they've all done foolish things like that where you, can we say like you, I don't know if you can say the, the P word, so I'll say you, you poo poo it away. I, we could yeah. probably say that, that one. Tinkled. You tinkle it away. There it is. Yep. You tinkle yeah, it away. Tinkled. We've all been there. We've all done that before. Yeah. yeah. We all, and we always, 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 always appreciate you guys 
for rocking with ATL Day Ones and making it your first listen of the day. Remember, make sure you make Locked On Sports Today your second listen of the day. And you can find it wherever you find this podcast. You can rock with Lost Today. Yeah, that's a cool little nickname. Lost. Go check out Lost right here on the Locked On Sports Network. And what we wanted you to do, it is a Friday. So on Monday, you know we'll be previewing the big national championship. And we'll also be thumbing it down, breaking it all down about what went down at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in their season finale against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got one more thing to ask y'all to do. Y'all come back now, you hear? 